0: ass impression Point, <laughs> oh there's the teaser this briefing is from file a 56 seven w classified top secret subject is
1: hey kids comics
0: comic books an art form early alive we can rebuild them we have the technology with digital downloads penetration which sounds a bit rude we can beat them better than they were before better listeners to another episode of Hey Kids Comics. I'm Andrew Leyland.
1: I'm Michael Leland. He's Michael
0: Leyland. No, I'm Michael Leyland. Yes. This is who we are. This is what we do. After the awesome epicness that was Nightfall, and our simply adequate coverage of it, we decided to take a few weeks off before our next set of themed episodes Hey Kids Comics Couch Potato coming your way in but a few short weeks. We've decided to do a couple of our hugely acclaimed Random Picks episodes. Hugely acclaimed. Well, I quite like them. To that end, I spent literally seconds wondering what I would cover this week and it hit me like a boat from the blue, like a virgin, like a knight in shining armour from a long time ago, a massive oversight on my part. I had not covered Daredevil. I love Daredevil.
1: so good to like about him?
0: He's brilliant. He's dope. There's such dichotomy. He's a lawyer by day. And a vigilante by night. Such a fantastic concept. But arguably, and he's blind. Justice is blind. But arguably Frank Miller killed him. Yeah, Frank Miller kind of wrote his end with... And then everyone Bourne else again. decided to... Yeah, carry on the story. Yeah. But anyway, I love Dirt But then I was distracted by shiny things. Ooh, shiny. Squirrel. Squirrel. Or was I? Oh yes, shiny things. A shiny thing of such glowing intensity I could not avert my gaze and thus, tonight, we'll be covering Spider-Man 2099. Yeah, it is shiny. Yeah, it was a good swerve, that, wasn't it? Did you like that? The shininess yeah. I speak of is of course the cover. Yeah. But before we get into that, Emails! <laughs> have a number of emails today dude what oh stop it's not like batman 500 stop it's not embossed stop (gasps) stroking my comic the 2099's embossed it's not feel it it's not embossed no it's just that's where the upc code should be all right so that's not embossed anyway emails are you ready yes our feedback from our most magnificent readers. Which one was season two so episode four? I don't know. We'll get into that in a minute. Right. Our first email is from Luke Giaconetti. Hi, Luke. Hi, Luke.
1: Hey, dudes. He calls us dudes. Should we call him dudes?
0: Hey, dudes. <laughs> Hello, dude. Quick note. Mr. Zars is in Batman Begins. Is it? Apparently so. In Batman Begins? Yes, he is, is this the guy exactly? on trial early in the movie whom Dr. Crane testifies on behalf of. I remember that. I don't. We like to see him broken out of Arkham Asylum. He doesn't do much of anything, but he is there. All right. So I wonder if he breaks out of Arkham, is he going to be in The Rise of the Dark Knight or The Dark Knight Rises or whatever <sighs> it's called? Things in it maybe possibly. Luke continues, I have been so impressed with you guys coverage of Nightfall that I went to my local used bookstore to buy a copy of the first trade paperback, but it was sold by the time I got there. <laughs> Maybe someone else who oh. listens to our podcast. Maybe somebody else who listens to our podcast went and bought it. I beat him to it. That would be most unfortunate. Mm. Luke continues, the You Thought It Could Never Happen cover to 497 was what it was called here in the US, the direct market edition, meaning it was the one sold in comic book stores. The new stand cover is the normal one without the half cover piece. I've always dug this cover, even as a kid I thought it was cool. I had considered buying Nightfall as it came out, but I wasn't reading Batman at the time and I missed 491 and decided the heck with it. I was still creating my identity as a comic book reader, so I chased all sorts of things in this time frame. It was a heedy sort of time for me as a young man of 12 to 13. Oh, to have those days back... But that's a sad rant for another day. I'm just getting over the fact that he was only 12 to 13 when this story came out. How old have we said I was? 20? 20. 21 or something. Damn you, <laughs> whippersnapper! Yeah. Uh, I distinctly remember hating the covers to these issues when they were coming out, but now I really dig them. Kelly Jones' over-exaggerated anatomical depictions turned me off as a kid, but now I like the over-the-top nature of the covers. They look outlandish and surreal and definitely stand out. Yeah, we, that's what we thought, mm. wasn't it? K- Kelly Jones did grow on me. I have to say, like a fungus. No, (laughs) not like a fungus. I actually grew grew to appreciate his art. That's growing on my chest. To be honest with you. Uh, Keep up the good work on the podcast, dudes. Thanks, Luke. Love the show, Steve. And on the other side of this, because I print double-sided for I'm eco-friendly. What's season two, episode five? Feedback for season two, episode five. The Showcase 93 one, where we ripped a new one in the 2 Face story. Oh,
1: is someone going to, like, hey, piss us up about it? Dudes
0: again. No, it's Luke Giaconetti again.
1: Is he going to diss us? He's more prolific than Michael Bailey this week. Okay. Uh, Showcase
0: 93. These were the only issues of Nightfall I bought beside the finale, because I'm a big fan of Two-Face. So are we. So, of course, I was going to buy this. I read these in 1993, but I've not read it since, so I don't remember a single thing from the issues. Well, we've read them, so you don't have to. Sounds like they were not super memorable to begin with. But Two-Face remains my favourite Bat-Baddy, and given the same choice again, I'd probably still buy the issues. Yeah, so would I. The part of Nightfall, and I'm a completist for stuff like that, so I'd probably buy them as well. You missed out on plenty of Catwoman, though. Yeah, I didn't bother buying Catwoman, did I? No. <laughs> I read Batman 500 when it came out. I remember really digging the double-cover thing. Yeah, so did you. You sat there stroking it. Not having re- yes, Not having read the rest of the series... I don't think I was properly equipped to appreciate the ultraviolet actions of Valley versus the more traditional approach of the real Batman. The fact that, as I have also previously mentioned, I was not reading Batman in specific and was chasing all sorts of different series in this time frame. I think I read more about this story in Wizard than I actually read of the actual story. I'm very much looking forward to you guys talk about that one. Well, I hope you liked it. We enjoyed Batman 500, didn't we?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You don't look very convinced by that now that you're wearing some kind of... It's funny on, Gingham thing my moustache thing. I don't know what Gingham is yeah, the main problem yeah. I'm having with these second half issues is the idea of Jean Paul Valley, as Wizard used to say his name sounds like a ski resort <laughs> becoming Batman and Bruce being essentially okay with it this never made any sense to me, and it still doesn't. At least it gets addressed in the later stages of the story, but I can't see Bruce not getting on the horn and calling in Dick Grayson, and if not Bruce, then Alfred. I can see Bruce not letting Tim try to take up the mantle, but he would choose a borderline lunatic like Jean-Paul Valley over Dick Grayson. Cannot rectify that in my mind. No, I think we mentioned that last week when we talked about Batman 500. The mm-hmm. Dick Grayson thing did seem that they just didn't know what to do about that. There is no logical reason Bruce wouldn't call Dick Grayson in. Or like he says, like Alfred would, at the very least. Yeah. So
1: that just didn't make sense. Just to get out of the way on this episode, mm. Grant Morrison fixed it. Did he? And mm. what? where did Grant Morrison fix it? Well, he's Batman now. Dick
0: Grayson? Exactly. Yeah, but he's not the <laughs> only one. Dick Grayson's been Batman before. Prodigal. Oh, yeah. See? In regards to Hawkman... As far as the armour, well, he wore that as early as the late 1980s because of Hawkworld. Same with the Qatar sword, the punching sword, which was his weapon of choice in Hawkworld. His new costume predates Zero Hour, but not by much. It grew out of the military uniforms which the wingmen wore in Hawkworld, but was more superheroic. The Wolverine clones were a bit much, as was his earring. <laughs> he wore an earring. Oh, dear. But frankly, I still think it's a cool costume. Of course, I run a Hawkman blog beingcarterhall.blogspot.com so I may simply be more prone. See, I like feedback like that because I know jack-all about Hartman. I know bits about him. Yeah, I don't know anything about him so I do like it when people get in touch about stuff I know nothing about. And all of Bloodlines was super 90s. It cannot be avoided or otherwise denied. I don't think I've read any of it. Bloodlines. I read The Hitman. Though. Oh my damn! Luke oh, continues. Down. I would totally read a, about a Silver Age Batman who beats <laughs> criminals to death with a board. <laughs> That's freaking hilarious. <laughs> it did make us chuckle. Yeah. <laughs> Keep up the good work, bios, Luke. Uh, thank you very much, Luke, for your emails. Um, and to prove that I'm as good as my word, here's Luke's trailer for his podcast
2: attention people of earth do not resist us all who oppose us shall be annihilated we command the most powerful army of monsters in the universe they are sure to defeat your earth monsters all those who are hearing this are now under the control of the earth destruction directed directed Directed. Hey, you! Yes, you, hearing this message. Do you like podcasts? Well, evidently you do, because you're listening to one right now. Do you like giant monsters? Of course you do! Who doesn't like giant monsters? Well, then, have I got the show for you. Earth Destruction Directive is the newest Daikaiju podcast on the Internet, and we talk about all your old favorites, like Godzilla, Rodan, King Ghidorah, and Gamera, but also lesser-known monsters, like Gappa, Yungari, and Giyawa. We cover everything from movies to comic books to video games. And we're kicking it old school at earthdestructiondirective.blogspot.com. Check it out, won't you? And remember, the EDD has got their eyes on you! 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 Well, it's big and terrible. More frightening than I ever thought possible.
0: We have another email from a new listener. From new. He criticises me. So you will like this email. (laughs) Already? Yes, already, already. You've got a fan here, James Hunt. James Hunt emailed us. Hello, James. Hey, James. Hey, guys. Loving the podcast. Love the show, Steve. Nothing like a bit of self-aggrandisement. I
1: okay. don't wow. get it.
0: Who's Steve? Steve Wright, in the afternoon, reads his emails out, always reads the bit that says, love the show, you're great, you're fantastic. Has a posse of people who applaud and laugh at his every joke, even though he's not funny in any way whatsoever. Okay. Love the show, Steve. Wow, wow, wow. Steve Wright in the afternoon. Uh, it's great to hear some fellow Brits commenting on comics. Yes, it is. There's not enough of us. I don't think. Um, I'm currently working my way through the shows, and I do like the way you've put music into them. See, people do listen to the music. Well, thank you for that, James. You're the only person who's commented on the music. We've had a few people comment on the the scores and the soundtracks that we use, which is is nice, because I put a lot of effort into that. But no one's ever commented on the music. So thank you very much. I am really enjoying your coverage of Nightfall, even though I haven't read it. (laughs) And it has inspired me to get the trade paperbacks. There you go. L- James hmm? flew all the way to where Luke lives and bought that trade paperback just <laughs> yeah. so Luke couldn't. <laughs>
1: That's
0: my theory, and I'm and now sticking he's to it. Was
1: listening to <laughs> podcast going. Ha, ha, ha. Yes, I have
0: conned you, Luke
1: Giaconetti, <laughs> out of this Nightfall trade paperback. <laughs> I shall send. I shall send these people emails week after week saying, <laughs> I stole your comic. I stole. <laughs> I don't think that's probable, to be honest with you. You may but we'll have to read it out every week going, Ah, I still have carpet. It's a nice tangent though. We'll then get more emails off Luke going, "Ah, you humbugger. Damn you, James Hunt, buying my nightfall comic! And <laughs> James there <Satler> waving it. <laughs> I've it now. He sends <laughs> us a picture. Yeah. I send him a picture. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, send us a picture and we'll forward it to Luke. <laughs> oh, anyway, we're at the bit where he criticises me.
1: Okay, let's see. So you like this?
0: If there is one criticism, it's Andrew's laugh. <laughs> <laughs> The volume can take you by surprise initially, <laughs> but I have got used to it now. Well, I'm, I'm very glad that you are used to it, because it's my homage to Brian Blessed.
1: Oh, well. Who wants to live forever? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 Gordon's alive! <laughs> yes, very good. Also loving the Gok Wan references, even though I don't think your American listeners will know who he is, as his magic may not have spread across the pond. Sorry, magic? Well, he does say sh- shame in brackets. Uh. The Americans are missing Gok Wan. Mm, I would guess. gladly let them have Gok Wan, mm. as long as he promised not to come back. <laughs> it's my toughest challenge yet.
1: Take me back, Britain, please. <laughs> no, we don't I, want I'll you. shut up. We don't, we're not interested. I'll Gok only Wan. stick to one TV show, <laughs> I promise. Go away,
0: we don't want you. I am currently developing my own podcast, Writer's Block, the new guy's podcast. I've only been reading comics for two years, and so I want educating in the ways. The aim is for listeners to send in suggestions, and I will try to read and review them. If you have any suggestions of what I should read, it would be nice to hear them. Wow, and when I get man. a promo sorted out, would it be possible for you to play it on your excellent show? Thanks again for a brilliant podcast. The new guy, James Hunt. Yeah, we'll play your promo, James, no problem. Send it our way, and we will include it in the show. Three
2: suggestions, last
0: man. You're recommending Why the Last Man. Because it is damn, damn good. I have not good, read that yet, damn, so I cannot good, recommend it. Good. It made me cry. My recommendation, given your avatar with Spider Man in a black costume, would be Amazing Spider Man 252. There you go. He's got those, his first two shows. Why the, an issue of Why the Last Man and an issue of Amazing Spider Man. Why an issue, do all 60. He couldn't do all 60 in one show. The last one then. Well, no, because I haven't read that yet, therefore I wouldn't be able to listen to his show. But it is, it is damn good. Or The Killing Joke? Or Spider Man 2099? I think the killing joke's overrated. Do you? I think the art's brilliant. But my mentioning of Spider Man (laughs) 2099 You are, Michael has got a killing joke t shirt on as we speak. My mention of Spider Man 2099 Mm. was a wonderfully professional segue into what we're talking about today, apart from the fact that you
1: interrupted me and thus ruined it. I interrupted it? Yes. Why? by pointing out your t-shirt, which is an excellent t-shirt. What did you say before that? It doesn't matter. Let's just move on. I'm sorry.
0: I've already mentioned the shininess of the cover of Spider-Man 2099 issue 1. Because if you hold it into the light it glows out in red. Yes, it's very shiny. As they say on Firefly. Spider-Man 2099 was released on September 1st
1: 1992. That's not 2099 no that's 1992 it's not even a 1999 no that's 1992 why is it 2099 because
0: they just picked 2099 as being a nice number but why not 3000 I don't know <laughs> uh, I do I look like Peter David I'm sorry <laughs> uh, anyway as I was saying Spider-Man 2099 was released on September 1st, 1992, hip-deep in the 90s fascination with enhanced covers. It has some shiny blood-red ink around the border of its cardstock cover, and inside an image of a man in black hovering or jumping or flying, above a large cityscape being pursued and shot at by people on flying motorcycles. Flying motorcycles are cool, Uh, I have decided. The man in black also has a red skull motif on his chest that, if you squint, could also be a spider and a red and black mask. It is by Rick Leonardi and Al Williamson and is a very attractive and eye-catching cover. I don't know if it's worth the extra 35p or 50 cents US or 75 cents Canadian, but it's very pretty. Mm. What do you think? All right. Are you suckered in by the, the 90s enhanced cover though? Or do you just
1: think... Is that alright? It is very 90s. Look at his feet. What's up with his feet? They're very 90s. They're too small in the back and ridiculously pointy at the front.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, okay. I quite like that cover. The 2099 universe was an initiative by Marvel to launch a new universe of characters based in the same Marvel universe, but at that point some 107 years hence, because new universe had worked out so well. It was written by Peter David and by Rick Leonardi and Al Williamson. Colours, letters, and edits were by Rick Parker, Steve Bucoleto, and Joey Cavalieri, and Tom DeFalco was editor-in-chief
1: at this point. Right, who's Al Williamson? He sounds familiar.
0: Al Williamson did the art on The Empire Strikes Back that's and Return of the Jedi. That's fine. He also inked John Romita Jr. on Daredevil. Okay. And did the Star Wars comic strip. Okay. And I think he did some Flash Gordon stuff. Okay. But oh, you'll know his name from the Star Wars stuff. Yes. I would have thought. so. Oh, we did cover them. We did. Go back and listen to the... But they were truly fantastic truly I they maybe some of our best episodes yet though? Mm. do you think or do you think Nightfall was better I don't know I no, don't no, no. you don't listen to them <laughs> oh god the story title is simply Spider-Man 2099 and it begins in a very Blade Runner esque New York city in the year go on give it a guess when was Blade Runner Blade Runner was Los Angeles 2019. 2019? No, 2099. Hence the title, Beat Spider-Man 2099. No, no, I'm Do you playing. pay any
1: kind of attention? I'm playing dumb. Playing? Yeah. <laughs> Lots of practice. Four kids are joyriding
0: in the convertible. Only this convertible flies. When they spy a man in black and red leaping through the sky pursued by the authorities. The authorities want the man alive on the orders of Alchemax, but the man in black is simply too quick for them. He gets away quite handily, but not before wounding one of the pursuers with his claw-like talons embedded in his hand. At Babylon Towers, a subsidiary of Alchemax, a man wanders into his apartment. He turns the light low and is greeted by a hologram called Lila, who seems to be dressed like Marilyn Monroe. She tells the man, named Miguel, that he has six plot expositions, sorry, messages, and she plays them for him. One man, Tyler Stone, tells Miguel that he needs the drug and to get in touch, whilst another, Gabe, accuses him of working for the nasty piece of work. Alchemax. Ooh, yes. Miguel deletes them all, including four messages from his fiancée, Dana, who is sporting a black eye and saying that she's really frightened for him since he's been so strung out on drugs lately. Lila says that Miguel hasn't taken a journal entry for five days, and this is a cue for a flashback. So three shoes were a flashback. Yes. Right, I thought so. The opening bit was now. The opening six to ten pages or something. And then he talks to Lila, and Lila on page fifteen says, You haven't done a journal entry. And then he proceeds to do a journal entry which is a flashback. Wait, he hit his fiancee Yes, it? he did. And Tyler Stone is getting in touch with him because he needs the drug because he, he gets will drugs be injected. Yeah! Do you see how it all fits together? You see, this is good writing. Not, uh, let's just throw everything at it to be confusing and tell a story over 400 issues. This is good. This is... Awesome. How do you know what I was talking about? I didn't mention a name. Because <laughs> it
1: was an obvious little I
0: don't either. think it was an obvious little dig at all. I was merely pointing out good comics writing
1: is where everything falls together in a nice little coherent way. Well, if there's loads of ideas out there, they will come together later. Yeah, eventually. Five years in. Anyway, we've played the flashback music
0: that was me doing flashback music <laughs> it was a very nice rendition I thought so a few days earlier Miguel given the surname here of O'Hara is arguing Why did with I? <laughs> I don't think that he is is arguing I say, with Aaron Delgado <laughs> Bigora Chief O'Hara <laughs> Oh. with Aaron Delgato about his project at Alchemax. Miguel is altering the genetic structure of test animals and his next step is to alter a human genetic code. He gives Spider-Man as an example of a genetically modified human. However, Miguel doesn't feel that they are ready to test it yet on a human. Head of Alchemax, Tyler Stone disagrees and brings in a convict, Mr Sims, who they are to age 40 years for his crimes. Instead, he has volunteered to undergo the procedure. Reluctantly, Miguel agrees, and Mr. Sims is tested on. Miguel gives him augmented strength. Not a terribly smart thing to do to a convicted criminal, in my opinion, but whatever. And if you guessed that this experiment would go perfectly, well, you haven't read enough comics or watched enough science fiction. Mr. Sims breaks free of his restraints and kicks some arse before dropping dead. Oddly... This is considered a success by Tyler Stone, although Miguel, who was the subject of Sim's arse-kicking, doesn't quite agree. He quits. Tyler offers him a drink and says that he respects his decision. Now, if Miguel had his spider sense at this point, it should be buzzing louder than a beehive by now. Of course, Tyler slipped Miguel Rapture, a high-powered, mind-expanding, perfectly legal hallucinogen that is so addictive his body will crave it more than oxygen. If he stays working for Alchemix, the only authorised distributor, there will be no problems. After all, a number of Alchemix employees are addicted already.
1: So you see what they're doing there? Yeah. They keep their employees addicted and provide it's them totally with the keep cure. People. Oh, it's only legal in that building working there. No, so They keep them like slaves. Yes. Apparently. Well-paid slaves, but slaves nevertheless.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you don't work for us, you'll die. Yeah. Miguel leaves and goes home where his fiancée, Dana, is exercising with Lila. Miguel enters and, sick with the rapture, smacks Dana in the face, thus explaining her black eye earlier on. So is this near the Clone Saga or something? Yes. When Peter... When Peter smacked Mary Jane. Yeah. Dana says she may be able to get rapture on the black market, but Miguel has no interest in being either a slave to Alchemax or a drug addict. He steals back into his lab under cover of night. Miguel has stored his genetic code from before he was addicted to Rapture in the computers, as it was his DNA he was using as working material. He straps himself into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and sets the computer to imprint his code back on himself, his theory being that his DNA will then be returned to its earliest state and he will be free of the Rapture. Aaron Delgado sees what Miguel is doing and randomly starts pressing buttons, one of which brings up the spider code referred to earlier on. The equipment malfunctions, sparks, fly and explosions... And, well, explore. Surprisingly, Miguel emerges unharmed. Aaron approaches, threatening to tell on him. Nah, 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 nah. Mm-hmm. But Miguel turns around to reveal he has white eyeballs, pointy teeth, and talons on his fingers.
1: You tell on me, I'll get my big brother to beat up your big brother. <laughs> Did you enjoy Spider-Man
0: 2099 issue one? You obviously didn't pay attention to it. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> playing...
1: I'm playing dumb so that to help you're playing dumb to help the listeners i'm very kind of you asking the questions for them (laughs) they didn't ask that stupid question oh so this is all a flashback right so this is spider-man right yes so i'm I'm, I'm guessing he went all batman incorporated and was inspired by spider well if you read it not a dig he
0: does mention that he has been looking into the age of heroes, the heroic age, mm-hmm. and discovered Spider-Man, and that has been the impetus for his research, uh, taking the genetic code of an animal and imprinting it on a human. So why not the lizard, though? Well, that would work as well, I suppose, but the lizard wasn't a hero, was he? So maybe he didn't want somebody who was deranged and ate his own children. <laughs> he ate his own children. Didn't he eat his own child in shed? That amazing Spider-Man story. I like to Billy but... Connors. Didn't he? Yeah, uh, Crispacarlo did the covers,
1: didn't he? Yes, I quite like them. Yes,
0: good. I, I can't remember the inside of them. So it? it's nothing to do with Batman money, Right.
1: Well, okay. So, on uh, page 10, hmm. panel 2. Yes. You know when Spidey tells a dude to shut up? Yes. Does our Spidey tell dudes to shut up? Every now and again. Well, I think
0: our Spider Man's wittier than that. And also our Spider Man just webs people's mouths up. Hmm. Which is funnier. Hmm. Although a bit gross when you think it fits organic webbing. That would be like
1: spitting in somebody's face, wouldn't it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) They didn't think about this when they made the film. No.
1: Also, um, do you think this New York is bigger than the city? What, Spider
0: Jerusalem city? Yeah. Uh, No, I think they're all just drilling from the same well, to be honest with you. They're all... It's all Blade Runner, isn't Mm. it? Let's be honest. It's all very Blade Runner-influenced. Both the city and this futuristic New York and Coruscant, to a certain extent. Yeah.
1: right. Stop. Enhance 57 19. Track 45 left. Stop. Enhance 15 to 23. So on page 11, panel 5. Oh, right, yeah. They're doing the weather report, <laughs> which 50% rain or 50% no rain. <laughs> That's how reliable our weather forecast is. That means so. maybe it'll
0: rain, maybe it won't. <laughs> yeah.
1: on page 11, panel 6. Yes. Where Lila's dancing. Yeah. And it's like, your personal bio readings indicate accelerated heart uh, beats and pulse above the uh, norm. It's like for a minute there I thought that was gonna turn into Spartacus. <laughs> Do you like gladiator it? movies? <laughs> what we'll watch quickens your pulse? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me! And also on that, what's going on with his fiance's hair? Uh she's got a futuristic herdo. It's like a fifties herdo in a mohawk. It's like three Princess
0: Leia hairdos put into one. <laughs> is my thinking it sticks up on one side and she's got a rose sticking out of it and then in the middle of it she's got like a a Shannon Doherty Bob from 90210 and then on the right hand side it's all nice and wavy and curly it's very strange it has to be said but you know you look back at some shows in the 70s and women had weird her then so Uh,
1: page 17 panel 11 yeah there's Green Lantern yes he's
0: dressed like Green Lantern 2099
1: (laughs) Except he's got a bullseye on his back uh, page twenty-four, panel one. Mm. If this was a radio show, then that would be, take a different meaning. Yeah, well, to me anyway.
0: It, it's, it's interrupted before we actually get the punchline, isn't it? Because it's one, two, three, four. Come on, Dana, do some more. Don't slow down. Don't take rests. This will help to firm you up. And then she's interrupted.
1: Yeah.
0: It's like the the what's his name, the limerick that that Mister Data is going to tell Captain Picard in Star Trek. And there was a rather
2: peculiar limerick. Being delivered by someone in the shuttlecraft bay. I'm not sure I understand it. There was a young lady from Venus whose body was shaped like a- Captain oh. to security, come in.
0: <laughs> and he interrupts her just before he can actually say what he's saying. So I don't know whether that was inspired by that Star Trek gag, because <coughs> the next generation was out at this point, wasn't it? Or it could just be that Peter David was being funny. Yeah, uh, who knows? <laughs> Speaking of Peter David, Peter David has said this was the best-selling comic he has ever written. And I'm sure, although I couldn't find this Mm -hmm. when I was researching this issue on the internet, I'm sure that he said it sold over a million copies. Yes, yes, you heard that right. Okay. One million copies. Uh, If somebody can point me to where he did actually say that, or if I'm just imagining it... That would be great. Uh, Mark Miller ejaculates all over the internet when his latest opus, that's before it's published, has an A-listed director attached to it, <laughs> sells 75,000 copies. Even after this spectacular relaunch, the book regularly sold over 100,000 copies a month. Now, even allowing for the spectac- speculator market, that's pretty damn good sales figures, mm. which they can't match today,
1: it's I'm afraid. Anything that.
0: No, Civil War was considered a huge success and it sold 75,000 copies. I'm sure there must be something that sold more than a million. What, recently? Well, at all. Well, Superman used to sell a million copies in issue a month. Yeah. Back in the 80s, Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man and Web of Spider-Man sold half a million copies between the three of them. So the Spider-Man books alone sold half a million copies for Marvel. Hmm. So I don't think there's anything recently that's sold 100,000 copies. I could be wrong. If you know of anything, let me know, but I don't think there is. Uh, like Farscape and Battlestar Galactica, the 2099 universe has its own made-up swear words. Oh, isn't it shock? Shock! I don't, quite, I don't like it as much as frack. I'm so offended. And uh, my personal favourite, Garb. <laughs> well, what did they say? In, what was it in um, Farscape? It was Frel, wasn't it? I'm Frel. And uh, what was the other one? Uh... I can't remember. There was another one in Farscape. There was Frel. Dren, wasn't it? Instead of... Going to the toilet and taking a <laughs> poo, <laughs> excrement, I should say. Instead of excrement, they said dread, and they would say frell off. But nothing beats Mother Fracker. Yeah, that's still my favourite. Oh, melon farmer. Oh, melon farmer. Yes, but that was when Lethal Weapon <gasps> was shown on British television for our American listeners. They redubbed it so they could show it at nine o'clock at night, which is just post watershed. Mm. So instead of saying Mother Funster. They changed it to Melon Farmer. And I think they did it in Die Hard as well, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yippee ki Melon Farmer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let to get back to what we're talking about. I think the art has a ton of detail on the first page, setting up the story for the keen-eyed reader. Scrolling neon news signs have a story about there being no lead in the mystery Alchemax explosion, and there are references to the Flyboys. Excellent writing, as I've pointed out, where it comes full circle. That, the, that would be the planting seeds. It, with the explosion. Yes. Yeah. Planting seeds for what you will see later on. Very clever. Indeed. The first ten pages of this issue are fantastic excellent example of how to write a fight and flight scene whilst getting the necessary introduction and exposition out of the way. In the course of these introductory pages we're introduced to Alchemax the main character, although not given a name yet, it's reasonable to assume he will be Spider-Man. Flyboys as authority figures, the fact that this Spider-Man can glide thanks to webbed earth oils, Spider-Man's talons and his ruthless efficiency in using them the mysterious public eye and that this Spider-Man, like the one we know and love, has very few fans with Within the law. Then there's a huge info dump of exposition, particularly from the character of Aaron Delgado, who has some clunky but necessary expository dialogue. But David manages to overcome it with smart one liners and by using the old writing technique of pointing out the similarity to something else within the story, in this case Cronenberg's The Fly, so the reader goes along with it. I, I actually thought this was really quite clever. Mm. Yes, some of the exposition dialogue's a bit much as you get into page 12. But I quite liked it. I thought it was really good. Rick Leonardi is a massively underrated artist. And the dynamism on display in the art here is simply breathtaking. Gorgeous stuff. Uh, he's currently doing Darth Vader, The Lost Command for Dark Horse. Is it? Yeah, I was leafing through that today in the comic books, where I almost bought it. But it was issue five of five. Fair so enough. I thought well I'll either wait and see if it shows up in the cheap bins or I'll buy it in trade paper back unlike Peter Parker the ever amazing Spider-Man this Spider-Man doesn't make any jokes when out and about That's he's awesome. rocking the strong silent type image no doesn't he isn't all he says is shut up which is hardly oh. the, the wit of hardly the height of wit and wisdom is it mm. I don't think Oscar Wilde would approve of shut up <laughs> to be honest with you Lila ...who I like a lot... ...is a wonderful parody of other women in comics at the time... ...and particularly how they were handled by the... ...mainly male... ...let's be honest... ...artists. She's constantly bending over to show her arse... ...and leaning forward and using her arms to push her breasts together. If you saw one lady X-Men do this... ...they all did it... ...regularly... ...normally in very revealing costumes... ...particularly when Jim Lee was drawing them... ...and suddenly Mm. you'd get lots of butt shots... Oh, Jim. He's the Joel Schumacher of comic book art. Ed Benez has took his place. As usual, David's dialogue is often laugh-out-loud funny. There's a ton of one-liners on page 16 alone, but some of my favourites, there's a train leaving at 8.30, be under it. (laughs) Which I thought was really funny. And do you know what my father would say if he was alive today? Get me out of this coffin! (laughs) Did you lull that? I did loll at that, and there's quite a few little funny one-liners throughout the whole boot, but I, I particularly laughed at those. Miguel's line on page 16, I have respect for the system, just none for you, is an altered quotation from Captain James T. Kirk from the Star Trek episode, The Trouble with Trebles. Did, did you catch did he, that? What did he say? Captain Kirk, I consider your security measures a disgrace. In my opinion, you have taken this entire very important project far too
1: lightly. On the contrary, sir. are. I think of this project as very important. It is you I take my.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's
1: a funny guy, James T. Kirk, isn't he?
0: On page seventeen, it is said that Alchemex ages convicted criminals forty years. All of them. Well, if they're found guilty, and there doesn't <laughs> seem to be any uh, Miranda laws or anything in this future, they just seem to arrest them. Page twenty, 1994 was or would be as the case may be an excellent year for wine apparently I wonder if it was I don't know I don't know much about wine other than thanks to James Bond I know when you drink red and when you drink white because that's how we caught the bad guy from Rushwood love see you said you don't learn anything from Sean Connery <laughs> well <laughs> other than how to say Rish money penny and uh, the Chicago way he puts one of yours in the hospital you put one of yours in the mall <laughs> that's the Chicago way that's how you get Capone it's good the Untouchables. untouchable he's never said it. There. Very good, Phil. Alright, I enjoyed it. In the future, Roxon will still be around, and Stark Industries is now part of Stark Fujikawa. So Fujikawa. buy those shows now. I don't know who Fujikawa is. Japanese. I presume so. Do you think that they, for some thought, they thought they would merge with the Japanese? Page 24, Peter David predicted the Wii. Did it? Yeah. If you have a look at that, Dana's exercising with her computer system. That is no different to what your mum does. Your mum dances and boxes in the living room with a computer. <laughs> and that's what Dane is doing with Lila, hoping to firm her chest. Yeah. Well, that rhymes with rest, doesn't it, as well? So mm. she may have been saying something perfectly innocent, for all we know.
1: So when you say Stark, industry's still going. Does that mean, like, Stark's still going? I don't
0: know. I didn't read enough 2099 to find out. Does I know the, the Fantastic Four of 2099 no, were our Fantastic Four. Were they? They travelled in time at some point uh, and ended up in 2099. Page 27, I'm sure there was an episode of The Next Generation where they imprinted all the DNA code on somebody from the transporter logs to do something like he's attempting to do here. To weed out a virus of some description. Hmm. They put him in the transporter and beamed him out and then beamed him back, merging him with an old pattern of himself from the transporter buffer or something like that. It was all gobbledygook, okay. typical Star Trek science. Uh, all round, excellent issue, I think. David's script rattles along at an excellent pace with just enough smart dialogue to paper over the cracks in the exposition. The art is great throughout, Uh, perfect, easily the best of the 2099 books by a long mile, and a fine example of a 90s book that had an enhanced cover but was also a great read. What did you think of it? I thought it was As a whole. Is that that as exciting as you get, being a 15-year-old boy? It It Was all alright?
1: I hadn't read, I've not read any 2099s. Well, this is the
0: only one I've got. I don't have Doom 2099. I don't have Ravage 2099. Uh, I'd originally only planned to cover that one issue. Uh, But, given that Michael doesn't have one this week... Now, to be fair, he doesn't have an issue this week because he's been reading Why the Last Man.
1: (laughs) To be fair. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And he wanted to cover an issue of Why the Last Man and I wouldn't let him because I've not read it all yet. So, even if he'd picked an issue from the first hardcover, which I have read... I don't remember anything about it and I want to read all five of them together. Mm. And I've managed to remain relatively unspoiled for Why the Last Man. Same. So I don't know how it ends. I don't know anything about it. So I didn't want him inadvertently ruining something for me. No, I... Genuinely enjoyed it. I'm not going to ruin it for so, you. So I didn't want you to cover an issue, did I? Because no. you may have gone through it and gone said, "Ah, well, this will pay off in issue 60," and I considered that to be a spoiler. Oh. So in lieu of Michael picking anything, we decided to do issue two and three of Spider-Man 2099, which complete the origin of Spider-Man 2099. Uh, I will just give you a quick recap of these. Issue two came out on October 6, 1992, and again sported a leonardi Williamson cover. A huge explosion rocks a wall-crawling Spider-Man very impressive and colourful there's a lovely little homage to the original Spider-Man by having a corner box in which 2099 Spidey adopts the same standing pose as the original counterpart nice little nod to Steve yeah, Ditko did you get that no, in what did. way is he different
1: well the first one doesn't have one
0: no first the one
1: second
0: doesn't have one just a close head. up his face yeah. um, oh, well I just thought that was just a nice little nod to Ditko hmm. I, I didn't think they were going to do it permanently because Marvel doesn't really do corner boxes much anymore. Which is a shame, because I always like the corner boxes. But, you know, that's just me. Nothing Ventured was the title of the book, and by the same team as Part 1, except colouring duties were now handled by Noel Giddings. Picking up where the last issue left off... Aaron opens fire on Miguel, who displays newfound agility. Aaron hits a canister of some description, but it can't have been good because everything blows up. The force of the explosion turns a hole in the wall and Aaron is thrown out of it by the blast. Miguel catches him, but Aaron begs him to let go as he's ripping the skin off his arms. As Aaron falls to his death, Miguel notices, for the first time, the talons on his fingers and thumbs. Miguel is a smart guy. Plus, he's already mentioned that he's seen the fly, and figures out what has happened. His DNA has merged with the spider, and throws himself out of the hole in the wall just as Alchemist Rentacops show up. Realizing that suicide may not necessarily be painless, Miguel panics and latches out onto the side of the building. The talons catch, and new talons in his feet sprout, enabling to climb the wall, thus saving his life. Miguel, now running for his life, hitches a ride on a passing Thorite who believes him to be Spider-Man, one of the legendary allies of Thor, and that this is a harbinger of good news. He drops Miguel off on a nearby rooftop and gives him some of the ripped cloth of his sky glider as Spider-Man should be masked. Early next morning at Alchemex, Tyler Stone has recruited Venture, a cyborg-like assassin, to find out what happened in Miguel's lab. Using his bionic gadgetry, he ascertains roughly what happened and sets off after Miguel. Miguel wakes up to a call from Gabriel, his brother, who is coming over. So is Venture, who has tracked his mystery man to Miguel's apartment. Miguel quickly figures out that Venture, who he recognises from Alchemex Files, wants the mysterious Spider-Man, not Miguel O'Hara, and decides to give him just that. He gets rid of Gabe and quickly fashions a costume out of an old Day of the Dead festival suit and heads on out. He gives Venture a quick kick to
1: the chops and it's on. What did you think? first thing I want to see mm-hmm. when I open a book is not what I see when I open this one.
0: Well, yeah, it is a naked guy.
1: But obviously, you're not seeing any meat and two veg.
0: But it is opposite. (laughs) It is opposite an advert for somebody rubbing a phallic lamp. (coughs) So I don't know if that was planned, (laughs) to be honest with you. But whatever. Yes, yeah, I don't mind going with that. Right, so that dude who's dressed up as Thor isn't Thor? No, he's a Thorite. Oh, it's a Thorite. The Thorites, as Spider-Man 2099 would establish later on, were worshippers of Thor. Which makes sense if you think that Thor is portrayed in the Marvel Universe as being a real god. Mm. Which is always interesting, because it's something the comics kind of steer away from. But if Thor is a real god, then God exists in the Marvel Universe. But if Thor is a god... The then it makes sense that he would have worshippers and followers, doesn't it?
2: Mm.
0: Which I, I thought, I quite like that. She Buffy did have a god, yes. Glory was a god, wasn't she? she yes. Glory. Glory was the bad guy in season five of Buffy. So yes, yeah, so Buffy did have a god. I need
1: to carry on watching Buffy. You do, because
0: Buffy's very, very good. Okay. At least for its first four seasons, and then for seasons five, six, and seven, it's 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 okay.
1: <laughs> Just
0: okay. No, it's never was it crap. yeah. But it goes off the boil a bit after season four. But I that's.
1: still just think Firefly is the best reading. Yes, it is. Firefly is the best Josh Widen show by far. And on page twenty, panel five. Yes. Um, that's all the same dude on the computer, right? Yes. Because let's face it, if it's not.
0: No, it's a 3D <laughs> image of a man moving. It isn't a 3D image of a man mounting another man who's mounting a man who's prone on the floor. Uh, it's a nice touch I thought that Miguel's talons retract when he touches himself
1: mm. <laughs> yeah that's gonna yes. come in
0: fortunately that's that's good when he's choking his yeah. pallet lamp yeah it's it's very fortunate because otherwise going to the toilet as he points out in the book would be quite
1: painful he doesn't really appear as demonic like that does he it's just that like other people no I, I got that he actually physically changes but but okay he looks like that mm
0: his eyeballs yeah. go white and his teeth grow, and yeah,
1: and then he's like
0: that. Well, I get the impression that it, it switches on and off. It's like David Banner in the TV show for the Hulk. His eyes don't stay white all the time, do they? Uh, the Hulks do.
1: Yeah, but Doctor Banner's don't. I, I just thought he was normal, but other people perceived him to be. Like no,
0: I got that he actually physically changes because he does mention later on that his teeth are still fang-like. Okay. But and he starts to concentrate. And be able to control the talons coming out of his fingers and so on and so forth. So I got that. Page twenty-three has a funny gag. Miguel breaks the fourth wall um, and looks at us, the audience, when Lila takes on the form of Aunt May. And I, but is that supposed to be Jarvis or Alfred? Jarvis. You think more Alfred than more Jarvis than Alfred? They can't do Alfred though, can they? They could if they don't mention that it's Alfred. So I suppose it works either way, doesn't it? If you think it's Alfred Fine, if you think it's Jarvis Fine. Issue three came out on November third, nineteen ninety-two. Again, Leonardo and Williamson did the cover, and it rocks a montage shot of 2099 Spidey with various members of supporting cast around him very much an origin or anniversary issue cover and a good way to conclude the third issue which is an origin tale do his feet still look stupid to you?
1: just tad yeah no
0: I like them Ditko always drew weird feet so it kind of fits in I think it's
1: a better cover than most anniversary ones though because that one looks like an anniversary one it does
0: doesn't it I like that cover I I do think I mean it's it is lots of floaty heads as um is it is that Donovan who says that on Amazing Spider-Man Classics the floaty heads of guilt or is it John do you know I can't remember I do apologise if I've got that wrong It may be Bertone. There's three people on that show, so I've covered my bases there, haven't I? Donovan, Bertone and John. They host Amazing Spider-Man classics. And one of them refers to covers like this as the floaty heads of guilt. Whenever Peter Parker's feeling guilty about something, there's there's heads around him. Uncle Ben saying, with great power comes pie. And Aunt May going, Oh,
1: my heart.
0: And the Green Goblin going, I will kill you, Gwen Stacy. And Harry Osborn, injecting himself with drugs and
1: stuff like that. Gwen Stacy going...
0: (laughs) Gwen Stacy going, Ah! You broke my
1: neck. Snap.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, dear.
0: Nothing gained is by all the same people as last time. The story picks up with Miguel continuing to narrate his tale to Lila for his journal. A bunch of Thorites show up out of nowhere, and Venture kicks their asteroids and then takes Spider-Man down quite easily. He wants Spider-Man to go with him, and to make his point, he callously kills one of the Thorites. Spider-Man loses it, hauls off and belts Venture before taking off. Miguel decides to backtrack over his signature trail so that Venture won't suspect that he's under the mask. Won't suspect that Miguel O'Hara is under the mask. Venture follows and takes Spider-Man down. He's reporting to Alchemax that the job is done when Spider-Man uses his talents to effect an escape. He trashes the servos in Venture's jet ski and is engaged in another battle when web sprays all over Venture from Miguel's arms. Ugh. Spider-Man uses the opportunity to gain the upper hand and he manages to overcome Venture by jamming the rod Venture carries into the exposed wiring, shorting out his systems. The issue ends with Miguel wrapping up the story for Lila as Tyler Stone knocks at his door wanting to talk about Spider-Man.
1: Dun, dun, dun. oh yeah. Uh, page one yeah that that the yes that is a real damn good mustache well, aren't
0: they supposed to be the Warriors 3 yeah I thought that isn't that Balder and Falstag Volstag and is that Valkyrie is that supposed to be Valkyrie I thought that was Thor well it's a girl By judging by the thighs She's got quite shapely thighs, so I don't Thor think that's rent. a man. Yes, well, it could. She could be Valkyrie, who was a like a female Thor, I think, in the Defenders. I think she was. Oh, something to do no, with Thor. no, he carried
1: a big sword, rose a horse with Hulk and Doctor Strange yeah. and the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it could be her. Um, I've already made that note, but Leonardo can he not draw feet or something
0: he can draw better feet than Todd McFarlane
1: and Rob Liffield oh they're
0: fine
1: perfectly fine feet he's just got very thin ankles (laughs) and and they like go to the very back of his foot
0: yeah
1: (laughs) flat feet yeah Um, I like that Miguel panics about
0: being in a fight to be honest with you saying that he hasn't been in one since he was six years old too many superheroes get superpowers and suddenly become adept fighters. Something that was riffed on on an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but pertaining to vampires. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Dawn made some crack about somehow after they turn into vampires, suddenly they gain lots of wonderful judo skills yeah, I thought that, that they've never like, had before. Everyone fights like ballet dancers yeah. on that show. This, this could be just me reading too much into it. Mm-hmm. But on page 10, Miguel lives in apartment 252, right? Right prior to this the last time Spider-Man got a new costume it was issue 252 <laughs> the costume was originally supposed to be red and black like Miguel's but ended up being red and white because when they designed it Mike Zet designed it I think and he did it red and red and black instead of red and white but printed it didn't look as good so they just bled the red out I believe and made it red and black and white instead of black and red so Venom was created out of a printing error I don't think it was a printing error. I think they looked at it in red and black before it went to print yeah. and decided they didn't like it as much as red and white. Okay. So, yeah, the costume was a result of not so much an error, but a, a last-minute change of mind, I think. Mm-hmm. Miguel has little talons that come out of his hands and feet to let him climb. He has internally generated webbing and the spider powers were some kind of genetic tampering. All of this was co-opted for the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. However, Peter David has the space to extrapolate on these ideas and make them work pseudo-scientifically. He establishes that Miguel's arms are slightly swollen due to the webbing in his forearms, and that Miguel is trying to control the talons to retract as he wills. Raimi just mentions them and never followed through, so he would have been better not mentioning them at all. Has that been... I'm sure Peter David must have mentioned that, because he did the novel for the Spider-Man movie, didn't he? So he must have noticed that they ripped some stuff off his Spider-Man 2099 Mm. but they ripped off stuff that then didn't make any sense in this like I said his forearms grow to show that he's got webbing underneath them whereas the Spider-Man movies never mention it again and they just watch shoot out of a convenient hole in his wrist which always bugged me and the talons on his fingers as well they never mention that again Whereas 90% of the audience will just go, all right, so he's been bitten by a genetically altered spider so now he can climb walls. Brilliant, I'll buy that.
1: No, but... they didn't mention it, didn't
0: they? Yeah, they show it. There
1: was a bit where they zoom in, Yeah. The little ones in his
0: fingers. But then that leaves open all the questions like, so do they go in? How does he take his clothes off without shredding them? How does he go to the toilet? How does he touch other people? When he lifts a newspaper, up, does it not turn to bits? See, all of this stuff is addressed in here. Yeah. In the Spider-Man movie, he just forgets about it. Which is why organic webbing's a stupid idea. I didn't bother the enjoyment of the film, but I could have lived without it. Speaking of organic webbing, how does it shoot out of his costume? The first time he uses the webbing, right, in issue three, it's by accident. He doesn't know that it's there, and he doesn't know that it's going to happen, because presumably he has to build up enough Internal juice, if you will, to have webbing. Just like, you know, you have to build up enough internal juice to spit and go to the toilet. So, presumably, he can't use his webbing for swinging around town a lot because he'll run out and then it'll be a couple of hours before he rebuilds. But on page 23, panel 4, it just shoots out. Is there a convenient rip in his suit,
1: though? Or maybe it it was like that powerful it ripped through or is. Really? It was that powerful, it shot right through. Well, he was just cleaning it and it went off in his hand. Oh, dear (laughs) God.
0: No, that just doesn't make sense to me. I don't get that. I mean, it is possible that it is, like, really powerful and it shoots a hole through his costume. But, no, I don't know. I'm not buying that, sorry. Uh, Despite being the 90s, there are actually very few interesting ads in these books. Issue 1 has an ad for Charleston Chewbar's. Enjoy which, the crazy stuff. Charleston
1: Chewers. How do you know what that is? Futurama.
0: All oh, right, because I was, was going to say I have no idea what that is. Charleston Chew have been advertising Futurama all the time. All oh, right, okay, fair enough. I mustn't have seen those episodes of Futurama. Um, issue one also has a plug on the bullpen bulletin page for the X Men animated series, which isn't as good as the Batman one, but it's still fun. But mainly for trading cards, which I never got into. There's a good double page ad for comics in issue one which are always fun to look at to see what the 90s was deeming hot Marvel Masterworks Marvel Masterpiece card series a
1: Fangoria card series that's Fangoria
0: Fangoria's a horror magazine oh, okay. which I actually used to quite like reading when I was a kid Fangoria and Starlog were oh, a good magazine you. The Punisher gets an all-new violent 90-card series. How violent can a card <laughs> series be, really? Unless you use it to throw at someone <laughs> to slit their throat. Not
1: like it's not really violent. Shuriken playing cards. Yeah. Ah. Throw yeah, it right man. in somebody's head. Boom! They call me Gandit. And yeah. the
0: Valiant had
1: a red-hot card series. Apparently. Well, have you not noticed that comic merch? I love the card ones and all the guys. well, these are so rude. Oh, my, I've not seen one of them. Yeah, but you can also
0: buy entire boxes of these things now. Yeah. For quite cheap. Uh, Doom 2099, the most pivotal character in the future Marvel Universe. Hot, is what it says in the description. $1.50 if you order three or more. Stan the Manly, Ravage 2099 is his return to writing. Again, there's a limit of two copies to people. <laughs> I did pick these up in the 50p bins now. And, of course, Spider-Man 2019. It's hot and recommended. The ETM mega-hits, which are always good for a laugh in the cold light of the
1: 21st century. Bloodshot. Okay, is that like when, when you you trying to fart so hard something in your eyes? comes out, yes.
0: Digitech. Marvel's first computerized hero. Oh, listen to the, the listen to the selling point for this. Okay, looks nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best they could come up with. Bloodshot had a special Barry Windsor Smith chromium cover. The Harbinger trade paperback was ten dollars, containing the very rare Harbinger fur, plus a detached limited edition Harbinger Zero. Hot
1: take your word for it. Is Harbinger the one from
0: I have no idea who Harbinger is. I don't think it was anything to do with Crisis. No, Iron Man 2080 2088. Iron Man was the prequel (laughs) to 2099. Iron Man 288 was hot because it had a metallic cover. It was an anniversary issue. Marvel Comics 117 to 120 was Wolverine versus Venom and these will be red hot it says here Marvel Holiday 92 special includes The Hulk by Sam Keith Thanos by Jim Sterling and Spidey by Stan Lee a must Operation Urban Storm an all new one shot benefit book from Image Comics hot Punisher die hard in the Big Easy the Punisher is buried alive in the swamps of Louisiana in this all new violent 48 page story did you notice a a trend here blood violent and hot (laughs) seem to be the key words hot Hot blood. This will be hot. This will be. There will be blood. Ren and Stimpy number one was a holly Ren ren and Stimpy was a cartoon. You don't know, no, ren and then Stimpy. Happy, 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 joy, joy. joy, happy, joy, joy, joy happy, 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 joy, joy. joy. Happy, happy, joy, no? joy. No? No. Ringing no bells now. I don't care for enough. now. Robin joy, book three. Happy, happy, An all joy, new happy, movement joy, enhanced joy, cover. Joy, joy. These editions look hot in the fifty p bins now. That's right. Robin book three thousand. Beautiful foil-enhanced covers. Savage Dragon versus Megaton. That sounds sounds great. Spidey and X Force. Superman seventy-five. Polybag Death of Superman includes a fold-out poster, Superman's obituary, and more. To this day, it doesn't say that's going to be hot. To this day, I don't own a bagged Superman seventy-five. I wouldn't mind having one, but I don't own one. I thought you did. No, I've got Superman five hundred. She's bagged, but I don't have Superman 75. Team Helix, and then some issues of Wizard and X-Men, Extinction and Agenda. And then the plug-in stuff like Death's Head and the Executioner storyline in the X-Men. And other such classics as Predator vs. Magnus, Robot Fighter. That sounds fun. (laughs) The Pit by Dale Keown and Wetworks by Wilt Potasio. I don't know that any of these books lasted more than six Will's
1: issues yeah he's doing yeah. X-Men again now isn't he yeah he had the uh, arm operation didn't he did he I have no idea or was he the one who like collapsed in the X-Men offices no idea you know more about this I think he was actually because that Hulk issue was the first thing he did after was collapsing that? into a coma whilst working on X-Force or something well, I wouldn't yeah? have said X-Force was quite that bad <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> well, dear, maybe I'm
0: wrong uh, issue two has an ad for Disney as Aladdin actually quite a cool advert for Disney's Aladdin to be honest I think that's really cool that mm. just the guy rubbing the lamp next to a naked mobile. yeah well maybe the placement of it lacks subtlety but bad. whatever there's an advert for Candyman which was a horror movie which just riffed on um, Bloody Murray didn't it don't say Candyman three times and oh, you look in a mirror. Beetlejuice. Um, I remember thinking Candyman was okay, but that like maybe just because Virginia Madsen was in it. Don't Quite say light. Beetlejuice three Beetleju- times, because if you say Beetlejuice three times, then be... Oh, I almost got myself then. Uh, if you say Beetlejuice three times, Michael Keaton will play Batman. <laughs> uh, issue three has a bullpen bulletins page in which Stan Lee plugs Marvel UK. UK. Yes, which is quite nice. Of him. He's talking about zooming to the US at the end of '92. There'll be a number of UK superheroes, and these included Death's Head, Motormouth and Kill Power. The Knights of Pendragon, Digitech, Battle Tide. The <laughs> sense of staggering battle between Death's Head Two and Kill Power, Warheads, Dark Angel, Team Helix, and Night Raven. They all sound crap. And then in early '93. The Beginning of Britain's Superhero Invasion, Mistech Wars, Death Rattle, Shadow Riders, Bloodseed, (laughs) Gene Machine. (laughs) Gene Machine. Oh, dear. That's a terrible name. Wild Thing, Black Axe, Super Soldiers, Gun Runner, Death Metal, and the Mind Blasting Mystery of Plasma.
1: And you wonder why I'm a oh, DC kid. Oh, dear me. The DC was much cooler for the 90s.
0: Oh, I think they had the first show of crap names. Uh, Thou shalt not miss the triumphant entry of Marvel UK's horde of heroes to our grand and grateful shows. Are any of them still around? No. None of them? No. I, I think... Is Nighthawk not still around in some in some way?
1: It's uh, in the background once... Every often, it's like, is that? Is he? Luke, we still remember our 90s characters. Luke is Nighthawk. We're still servicing a copyright. Yeah. Yeah. You need a paycheck. Now go back to the 90s.
0: Fair enough. Okie dokie. That's it for I like him. He said, (laughs) (laughs) Okie dokie. That's it for this week. Um, a bit shorter okay. than usual because Michael didn't have an issue I'm but that, sorry was, that was my fault I accept responsibility for that we'll be back next week with another random pick I know what I'm doing do you know what you're doing no Oh, you're useless
1: You are. why the last
0: man no I'm doing an annual next week and what I'm very excited about it. I'm not telling you now it'll ruin the surprise for the listeners but I want to know I'll tell you when we've stopped recording okay, so then. that you can pick something that maybe contrasts okay. in its own way uh, we'll be back next week thank <laughs> you for everyone who's emailed us thank you for everyone who is going to email email us did you like that that's making people email us is I it? think yes I think so anyway uh, we'll be back next week and then the week after that Hey Kids Comics couch potato you know I'm plugging this up and what if it ends up being crap <laughs>
1: be us sat on our, sat on our house our watching a TV show what don't if crap we on our house yeah <laughs> okay fair enough bye
0: bye Hey Kids Comics is and the devil will find work for idle hands to do production Every Thursday, new episodes drop at aplayland.podomatic.com. You can join in the fun. We have a website where you can view the covers of the comics that we talk about. www.haykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com. And the show can be emailed directly at heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. If you're allergic to email, we also have a forum. www.forumforgeeks.com we are also on Facebook. You can contact us using Hey Kids as the first name, Comics as the surname. The opinions of Michael and Andrew are the opinions of Andrew and Michael and no one else, mainly because no one else would be dumb enough to have those opinions. The music and clips used in the show are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Michael and Andrew make no money from this, much to their chagrin. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics.